You are listening to The Exchange. I'm your host, Dr. Lorraine. Greetings, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about the rite of fasting. And in the beginning, we started out with a podcast on spiritual disciplines by my fellow UGST uh, friend and classmate, uh, Kristen Nichols. And then we also did a couple about prayer and observing the Sabbath. But today I have my guest, Matthew Newton, who is going to be continuing that personal spiritual discipline discussion. Matthew, thank you so much. Please introduce yourself and tell us more about your family, your ministry, and anything else you want to share with us. Yeah, what's up, Dr. Lorraine? I am so excited to be with you today. It's truly an honor uh, to talk to you on this medium. And uh, I, 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 too, have a passion for personal spiritual disciplines. And so this is going to be fun, and I'm excited to get started. Awesome. So tell me where you are right now and what your journey has been, your family, and what you're doing ministry. Yeah, for sure. So I am from Texas and I live in Texas. Mm -hmm. Of course, Texas is a big state. Uh, so I'm from Houston. And I, for a long time, I have said that I'm from Houston. But for the last three years, I actually live and my address is Houston. So that's kind of neat. Um, so from Houston, Texas, my wife and I and my two daughters, we are on staff at the church triumphant as the youth and young adult pastors and the pastor of that church the lead pastor of that church is pastor jason cisco and so we've been doing this for three and a half years or so somewhere around there so uh, we're super excited about it uh some of our other experience just like anybody that has been involved in ministry and church is just a plethora of things that we have done. Uh, but my wife and I, we really met and we struck up a relationship and we were ultimately like physically and spiritually bonded with the with our passion for missions. Uh, I was an aimer single. My wife went on several uh, missions trips, both AYC and non AYC missions trips. And uh, then when we got together, uh, we were only married a year. Well, we were really, we were really only married about, ooh, let me think, three or four months, and the Lord really started dealing with us about going on AIM again. And uh, we were married a year and a half, and we went on AIM for a whole year. And uh, so missions is our heartbeat. We love missionaries. We love traveling. We love cultures. Uh, but at the same time, here we are in Houston, Texas, which is the mm -hmm. most multicultural city in uh, most multicultural city in the United States. Oh, wow. Toronto still beats us in North America, but mm -hmm. Houston is now uh, the U.S. melting pot. And so we have the ability right here in this great city to uh, reach the world. So we're excited about that. That's awesome. I uh, did not know that about Houston. So yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so we're excited about that. Um, I have two daughters. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. My oldest daughter's name is Cosette and my youngest daughter, her name is Valencia. And so we definitely have a, a thing for 
you know, pretentious names, you know, but they're beautiful names. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It. And then uh, I am continuing my education at UGST right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Should I'm scheduled to graduate next spring. I'll be again, I'll be writing my uh, beginning my thesis this summer and uh, hopefully graduate next spring. I'm super excited about that. So that's where we're at. Full time in ministry, full time in family, full time in education. Bless the Lord. <laughs> awesome. That sounds great. And I, I wanted to mention, too, that the subject that we're talking about is something that you presented a paper at the uh, UGST symposium in February. And that's so correct. that's kind of where I um, got connected and heard about uh, what you were doing and the subject that you were writing about and was very interested in um, your, your research. So that's why cool. I'm having you on today. So um, I wanted to ask too, just my, one of my things that I was just thinking about, where was the last place that you and your wife spent on AIM? Where did you guys go overseas to? Yeah, we served in the city of Barcelona, Spain with oh. brother and sister, Nathan Herod. Okay. Awesome. Yep. I've been there. That's, I'm thinking that's where Valencia came from. Or yeah, Spain. you're, ex you're <laughs> exactly right now. Valencia didn't come from Valencia, <laughs> Spain, but that's where the name came from. Came from. <laughs> Great. Well, I am so glad to have you on today. We are going to just go ahead and just dive in. Um, like I mentioned, it. you presented this symposium paper in February. And I wanted to know, um, where did your idea for this paper come from initially? Yeah, for sure. So uh, one of my soapboxes and one of the things that I feel so very passionate about is about stewardship of the physical body mm -hmm. as unto the Lord. And uh, th thinking about fasting and how that applies, uh, even in the worldly, non-Judeo-Christian world, fasting is a fad uh, that is popularized. It is a diet. Uh, it's a medium of diet, you know, intermittent fasting. And, and, and fasting has its own subculture that is not even related biblically Mm -hmm. to taking care of your body and its health benefits and, and all of the great things about it. And uh, so it is a discipline outside of Judeo-Christian practice. It's a discipline outside of our biblical context. And uh, I really wanted to study about kind of like the different things that affect our body and how I can better take care of the body as unto the Lord but I wanted to know what does the Bible say about it? Uh, what did the first century disciples do? What did the first century Christians do when it came to fasting versus what do we do fasting in the 21st century? So that goes into my next question. So what do we as Christians think that fasting is? And so you mentioned, you know, the fat of the world, because I've seen that too, intermediate fasting. Right. You know, you're going to lose so much weight. It's so good for the body. And, sure. you know, all those ads that you come in on Facebook or social media. So yeah, now our phones are going to blow up because we're talking about right, it. Right, right. <laughs> the ads are going to be like, oh, I heard you were talking. Sometimes I feel like Google has heard me. And so now I'm like, what? They, ha they have. They, they have. have they sure. have heard my conversation. <laughs> <laughs> they will hear this conversation as well. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so what do we as Christians think that fasting actually is and separate from the world, our mindsets? 
biblically. Yeah. Right. So I think we have essentially taken fasting and applied it to to fit how we want to do life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same way that we have taken our prayer life or our Bible reading, and we've adapted it to our modern day context. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really think the way fasting really has it really fasting really has just changed. Uh, it's changed in how we understand it, and it's definitely changed in our Western culture. And I and I want to preface and say, okay, why has it changed? So I'm going to ask my own question: Why has it changed? Well, food. People don't want you to tell them what to eat and how to eat. <laughs> food food is a very emotional thing. It's not just the way we live, but it's emotional. You know, my grandmother cooked those green beans this way, and this is the way that I cooked those green beans. My grandma, she, this was her favorite dessert, and bless the Lord every thanksgiving and on my birthday i want to have that same dessert food is an emotional thing Mm -hmm. and to give up food for the lord to give up food uh for our spiritual gain for our yeah well just our spiritual gain our spiritual development our spiritual growth and that's already a touchy subject you know who are you to tell me what i can and cannot eat you who are you to tell me what how i'm gonna uh, apply fasting to my life and so i i think that christians especially western christianity has really created and made fasting into something that i don't know is easier uh more easily doable uh, is less of a sacrifice, and then we can come up with a myriad of examples about that, or a myriad of excuses about that. I was thinking to myself when you're talking. I was like, I, I feel that because anybody tells me that I can't have my cheeseburger, you know, once a week on Sunday, like you know, there's right. gonna be a fight. There's going to be something. It's going to rise up for and sure. Be like what that that cheeseburger makes me happy it gets me from my hungered state after preaching all the way in my 30 minute drive home you know like right. serious yeah. so <laughs> yeah and f- we have our routines with our food you know i joked with my father just today i was like yeah my wife she ordered groceries and yeah she ordered groceries we don't even go to the grocery store anymore but like there's certain staples that mm-hmm. i want in my pantry and in my refrigerator and without those certain staples well you know my i'm, I'm hungry what, mm-hmm. what do i eat and so for somebody else to tell me what those certain staples can and cannot be or to do away with those staples for any amount of time versus whether it be the bible or a preacher or a pastor or a discipleship or a discipleship teacher man we we really uh, are adverse to taking biblical advice when it comes to the way we eat. <laughs> and I'm thinking from a from a counseling perspective, you, like you mentioned, food is comfort, and we can go on Absolutely. and on about that. But that's such a huge thing. Like that's a it's a comfort thing, and it's also um, a coping mechanism. 
um, that comes in. So yeah, I, I love that you mentioned that, that that's just uh, something we don't, we don't want anybody to mess with our, our food. <laughs> don't mess with my, my food, my Cheetos. Um, yeah. Just despite what the Bible says, yeah. don't mess with it. <laughs> don't mess with it. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, go into my next question. So what is biblical fasting from your research? Cause you've done a lot of research and you put that paper together. So when you look at what the Bible says about fasting, what was kind of the, many of the things that you found, but what was kind of, I want to narrow into um, asking you what was like the thing that kind of blew your mind that you weren't expecting when you were doing your research on biblical fasting? Yeah, that's a good question. What blew my mind? Uh, and I don't want to give away the goods before we get there, but right. I think, <laughs> I think what really blew my mind was uh, how regimented and how disciplined um, first century Jews and first century Christians were at the practice of fasting. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was something that was in their life. It was something that they did regularly. Uh, it was something that they continued working and growing at and applying it and observing it. Uh, I think that's what really blew my mind because often, uh, and especially, and I can only relate to Western Christianity because I am a Western Christian. Uh, mm -hmm. Often we, we think of fasting as something that has been done. I did fast. It, it was, that was a great fast that I did, you know, in 19 and 64, Five, when I came to the Lord and got saved, uh, I went on a week-long fast and he changed my life. Well, why you've never fasted again? Th that would be like the same thing as saying, well, you know, I prayed and I talked to the Lord and I've never, you've never prayed again. Now, don't confuse me. Uh, I'm not saying prayer and fasting uh, uh, are equals. But again, in Matthew 17, Jesus says, hey, you need spiritual power to throw out the demoniac. And well, he coupled prayer and fasting together. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think often we separate those. We make uh, our entire Christian walkabout relationship, uh, and it should be. It's prayer and Bible reading and fasting. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would argue that it's prayer and Bible reading and fasting that um, aligns us with, with, with aligns us in our spiritual walk, aligns us with the Lord, aligns us uh, in re right relationship with Jesus. And so what are some of the other biblical uh, things that you found in your research about fasting? Yeah, so um, Jews at the time would fast twice a week. Mm -hmm. And they would largely fast on Shabbat on the Sabbath. And then earlier in the week, they would fast on Wednesday, or at least this is what we've been told. Mm -hmm. um, rabbinical writing has, has led us to believe that they would fast on Shabbat and fast on Wednesday. So Wednesdays and Saturdays, and it would be a 12 hour fast, a sun up, a sundown fast to observe the day. And Jesus came in and said, Hey, don't fast like the hypocrites. Don't fast uh, and just, you know, and make it all about 
the day and make it all about the ritual and, and make it all and just just to say that I fasted more than you all. Mm-hmm. Well, in that context, Jesus was sure there were Gentiles around, but he was often when it comes to fasting, he was speaking to the Jews of those days, the 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 Jews that are coming out of their Judaism and into Christianity. And they didn't want to do it just like they had nor they had done it in, in the past. So what did they do? They just picked two different days. So, <laughs> so they would fast on Tuesdays and Fridays, still sun up to sundown, but different days. Different because, well, that's that's how the hypocrites fasted. They fasted on Wednesdays and Shabbat. And I'm going to fast because I don't want to be like the hypocrites. I'm going to fast on other days. But they still fasted. They they still did it diligently, uh, regimentedly, regimentedly, if that's a word. And then they did it in a, on the basis of the paper. They did it as a ritual. They ritualistically fasted. It wasn't anything that somebody had to force feed them. It wasn't anything that somebody had to coerce. It wasn't anything that we had to make this big, you know, church-wide or synagogue-wide campaign. And hey, for this seven days at the beginning of January, everybody's going to fast. Hurrah. No, it was just, it was just a part of their relationship. It was, they prayed, they fasted, they read Torah, they read their Bible. And so, so uh, like everybody would get or they would put their own notification on their phone Tuesday and Friday automatically without question. Nobody's going to tell me. No, it's just like, OK, it's Tuesday. So right. it's this is this is, this is this is when I this is when I fast. This, this is a fast day. Um, it's Tuesday. I fast this day. It's Wednesday. I fast this way. It's Friday. This is the day that I fast. Uh, yeah, this is about their sacrifice and and their giving of food or drink for an extended period of time to the service of the kingdom. Say, I'm going to sacrifice my carnal nature to eat and to drink so that I can be more closely aligned with my Savior. Mm Well, that's that's a good thing to just kind of think about when I'm when you're talking about this. I'm like, okay, can can I do that? You know, and I'm trying to think about how I can. I'm sure all of our listeners are going to think, how can I align that? And I think we're going to keep going and talking more about that. But I wanted to also ask, what are some of the myths of fasting? So we're kind of just talked about biblical stuff that you learned in your right. research. So sure. what are some of the myths. Uh, that we think about fasting. That I know there's a lot of things out there that kind of think, oh, well, I have to be my personal thing that I'm thinking about and you can you can correct me but I'm thinking like you have to be miserable like fasting you have to be totally miserable and super hungry and there has to be pain um and maybe that is true that probably is maybe some truth to it but I just wanted to know what are also some of the other kind of myths that we have about fasting yeah, for sure. Let's think. Let's think about some of the myths that we have of fasting. I think we have to first identify, you know, again, this kind of goes back to your question earlier. What is biblical fasting? Mm-hmm. Biblical fasting. Uh, what is the definition of fasting as they understood it in the first century church is that it was an abstinence from food or drink mm-hmm. or both. That that's fasting. So I think one of the myths already that we can see 
is that if you're not abstaining from food or drink or both or or some sort of food or drink, mm -hmm. then, oh, I'm sorry to hurt half of <laughs> the churches and pastors and pastoral staffs. I really hate to do this, but then it's not fasting. Mm -hmm. Then it's not fasting. Um, so again, it's, it's it's an abstinence of food or drink. Uh, unfortunately, I, I would say social media fasting, whatever that is, is not fasting. Now, should we abstain from social media and take breaks and take breaks from our computers and take breaks from our screens? I think it's impossible to take a break from our screens, you know, uh, unless we're really diligent and, you know, intentional about it because, you know, our our phones just they mean so much nowadays. Right. So should we take breaks from social media? Absolutely. Half the time, I don't even want social media, right? Like most of us, I think at a certain age, we're like, yeah, I could do without that junk, you know? And then it keeps <laughs> sucking us in, sucking us in. So it's like, do we need breaks from that for our spiritual health, mm -hmm. for, for our mental health? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But to call that, fasting i think we're deducing fasting to something that is really basically easier for us to consume again you know we're allowing us to eat all of the tacos and all <laughs> of the steak and all of the hamburgers and all of the pizza as long as you don't you know get on facebook well that's not fasting it's that's not, not biblical fasting. fasting it's not it's not what fasting was meant what Jesus wanted us to do or what the biblical in the Bible. So absolutely. It might be a fast from social media, but uh, I just don't even call it that it, it's a break. It's a right. mental break from mm -hmm. social media. Uh, so that's probably like the biggest two. That's probably like the biggest myth about fasting is fasting can be anything. Mm. Well, well, that's not true. Fasting is an abstinence of food or drink for a period of time as unto the Lord. Uh, and then another another myth, and, and I'm just trying to like think here, but another myth for sure would be that fasting is only done in long periods of time. Mm -hmm. we often think of fasting and this goes back to your pain thing right mm -hmm. you know it's got to be painful sacrifice i lose 40 pounds you know <laughs> it's like well everybody wants to lose 40 pounds hey okay so now this is a diet and a fasting is not a diet uh but we often think that it has to be a 40-day fast or a 20-day fat 21-day fast uh we often think that it has to be, you know, so rigorous and so hard and so difficult. Fasting can be those things. You know, we see three times in the Bible where somebody fasted for 40 days. So is that a model of fasting? Yes. Uh, clearly, we have an example of a 21-day fast. Is that a model of fasting? For sure. Mm -hmm. But to say that that's the only model would be largely and grossly incorrect. And fasting really is something that is done maybe more ritualistically in smaller bites and smaller chunks in a disciplined 
manner as unto the Lord. Okay. Well, I, when you're talking about this, my thing that I'm thinking about is, and this is going back to what your research said, is you said that the Jews did it with 12 hour increments or they fasted for 12 hours. So, right. I mean, your fast could be, you know, one meal, but ideally what they did was a 12 hour fast, which goes into my next question is, is how should we fast? So is that, is that how we should fast like in 12 hour increments? I know it can be, like you said, there could be, there's examples of 40 day fast. There's examples of different fasts, but it always has to be an abstaining from food or, and water or both. Right. I think here's the answer. And I can even give this in a short answer. How should we fast? We should fast ritualistically. Mm-hmm. We should fast regularly. And it should just be something that we do. It should be in our our normal Christian lifestyle. You know, some people wake up every day and pray and read the Bible. And they do that seven days a week, 365 days a year. Man, that is amazing. We should all do that, right? We should all be talking to the Lord and, and reading the, his word. But to never fast when mm-hmm. that's one of the basic tenets, you know, the Beatitudes, when you pray. And then he also said, when you fast. Mm-hmm. He didn't say if you fast, but he said when you fast. It, it was a given. It, he knew that they were going to fast. So again, the short answer, how should we fast? We should fast with, we should fast ritualistically. We should fast uh it should be part of our normal spiritual disciplines. Whether that's like once a week or whether that's like two meals a week, whatever it is, it's just like you, I mentioned earlier, you know, this consistent of like, it's Tuesday or it's it's Wednesday or whatever day it is. Like it's an automatic thing, maybe on autopilot. Just like you said, when we wake up in the morning, we pray. Uh, we read our Bible. You know, I'm thinking about my own kind of things every night before, well, I, my rituals go like, at 11 o'clock, I'm in writing in my journal because that's part of my own personal, mental, spiritual discipline. You know, before, yeah, I, cool. before I go to bed, I pray. Um, you know, before I go to bed, I, I'm i a night person, as you can tell. I, you know, read at least one chapter of the Bible, if not more. But that is kind of my ritual, which, you know, you talk about how much you habits that you form yes. habits because you're doing them ritualistically. And so I'm thinking too, and so of course, here's Lorraine feeling convicted, you know, once a month, once (laughs) a week, it was like, (laughs) once a week, it was like, okay, you know, Wednesday's fast day. And that was just kind of that thing. It was just like automatic, you know, now, you know, things have kind of gotten off schedule, but I'm thinking like, okay, you know, that needs to be something that is also a part of my life, whether it's one meal, two meals, whatever, just as the same as I'm like, okay, every night, Lorraine, you know, automatic. Right. This you is know what? Happening. Yeah, that's a perfect example, Lorraine. Per- perfect example. Because like, what if once a week, you just, not you, but our listening audience, mm-hmm. once a week, we fasted lunch once a week. Mm-hmm. And we said every Wednesday, I have church that night or have church on Tuesday night. And the night that I'm going to go to worship and receive well, that day I'm going to like subject my carnality a little bit 
And so sure, I'm going to wake up, I'm going to eat because I have to work or maybe I have a physical job, but mm-hmm. that but that lunch, I, I'm going to basically get myself and it might be close to that 12 hour mark. Uh, it might be close to that sun up or sundown, depending on how you lived your life, your work schedule, but wake up, you you have a breakfast, but you're conscious of it. It's like, okay, I, I, I'm, this is my fast day. This is my fat, you know, uh, this is, it just, it just comes out so naturally. And you even mentioned like, um, you know, like, is it 12 hours? Is it every week or is it every, you know, uh, do you do a longer fast maybe once a month or a longer fast every quarter? I'm in youth ministry and I have been, I don't know what eight of the last 10 years I've been active in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. You don't go to the 14 year old in your youth group and ask them to pray three hours a day for the next 30 days, man, you're setting that poor little girl or that poor little Johnny up for failure. And then they're going to think that I can never, I can never have a relationship with Jesus. no, you tell them about all the different ways that you can pray, man. You can pray while you're taking the trash out for your mom and dad. You can pray while you're sitting on the school bus. You can pray in the hallway at school. You can kneel down and pray as you go to bed. You can kneel down at your couch in your living room as pray. You you develop all these different ways of prayer. And then prayer is just something that just comes out of them Mm -hmm. so easily and so naturally fasting has that same ability on our life where it might be something that we can only do, you know, for one meal for a week, for several weeks. And, and just in the same manner that God calls you to, and he speaks to you and he says, Hey, Matt, I need you to pray right now. Well, he might put in your spirit and say, Hey, you've got a big decision coming up. You need to fast three days. Or you've got to, I'm really calling you to that next spot. Maybe you're going to fast seven days. And, and so fasting 21, 7, 40, whatever, you know, and if you fast one day a week for 52 weeks in a year, you're going to fast 52 days. Like, hey, that's more than 40 last time I did my math. But so there's multiple ways to fast. The idea, though, is not my will, mm-hmm. thy will be done, not my flesh. Lord, robe me in your righteousness. I, I can sacrifice a little bit so I can get closer to you. I can push the plate back just a little bit so that I can hear from you more clearly. So how should we fast? You, you said the word earlier, habitually. <laughs> mm-hmm. right and you also went into my next question and you mentioned um i wanted to ask about the negative approaches to fasting but you touched on shame which is another big thing that i wanted to sure. talk about and you mentioned you know i can't tell this you know teeny bopper in my youth group to pay three hours a day because that's just going to cause them a lot of shame and a lot of like I will never be able to do this. And I think that there are some people that are like, well, I can't do it. It just seems, especially maybe somebody that just got into church, it kind of feels like an overwhelming thing. And so what are also some of the negative approaches to fasting, negative approaches, but also maybe, uh, you know, like I just mentioned, some of the things that cause us to maybe not fast. 
Yeah, I think one of them mainly is the fact that like we look at uh, some examples of people that have fasted 40 days and they or a long period of time or that they have really great disciplines where they're fasting, you know, a lot throughout the year. And we look at that and we think I can never attain that. Mm -hmm. And then we look at what they have developed, uh, the fasting practice that they have developed. We can think that we can never attain that. Uh, but, you know, we can do that in any in any way that we look at great spiritual men and women of God. You know, if they have if they have a greater walk with God, if they have a greater prayer life, you know, we can heap shape upon ourselves. Um and say that we can never do that because we can never be like them. But, you know, no one learns how to run right out of the womb. We have to right. lay on our back. We have to roll over first. We have to crawl. We have to fall. We'd scrape our knees and mess up before we can ever run. Uh, I think we, again, we look at fasting as something that is so hard sometimes because, um, those negative approaches of, in other words, you're going to, you can only have spiritual authority if you fast 40 days. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not true. Again, I could argue that fasting once a week for 52 weeks, more regularly, more habitually, more disciplined that, I, I mean, it's every week that I'm trying to get more spiritual authority, if, if that's mm -hmm. what we're seeking. Uh, I also think using fasting as only to attain some sort of spiritual authority over the demoniac in Acts 17, well, that's a negative approach. That, that's one example. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's, that's every example. And so, yeah, a lot of times we look at fasting as something that's so hard that I'm only I'm going to have to starve, die. Uh, well, you know, I know somebody in 1983, they tried to fast for 40 days and they damaged their liver and <laughs> now they can't fast anymore. Well, man, we have to use some wisdom, you know, right? don't just jump off into the ocean and expect to swim across it. Uh, that's a terrible uh, example. But yeah. Uh, so, again, we don't want to heap shame upon ourselves. Something that we can do is just small things, a new Christian, a new believer, somebody that maybe has never fasted. It's well, it's it can be food or drink, mm -hmm. man. And, and dare I say this now, people are going to know, you know, how I really am. <laughs> but what if you just fasted your soda when you had lunch? Right. And you just instead of soda, I'm just going to drink water that day. And I'll eat my meal but I gave up something mm -hmm. that, and that's a start. Now, are you going to die of starvation that day? No. <laughs> are you going to have a headache because you didn't get your caffeine or your sugar? Maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, but if you did that regularly, if you did that disciplined as unto the Lord. And then the other thing too, like uh, a, a negative approach, if you're just not eating and you're not, coupling it with prayer or Bible reading, or you're just not drinking it. Well, well then you, that's just a strict diet, <laughs> but, but you can pray and say, Lord, I'm giving this Coke up for you. And this is such a basic example, but it's applicable. Lord, I'm giving this soda up for you. 
you know, thank you for helping me, you know, to overcome, you know, a headache today. I've got a function the next several hours while I'm at work. And Lord, I just, I'm trying to take these baby steps so I can be more like you, so I can know you greater. You know, that's one thing that I'm glad that you mentioned about, okay, like I'm going to give up this soda, I'm going to drink water because as I'm thinking, you know, I have a diabetic mother who sometimes there are some people that they have to drink their pills with their food or there are certain, you know, physical kind of things that they have to have that, but being able to substitute something, food or drink is still very much considered fasting. Maybe it's not the whole full-blown 40 and that may not be something that some people can do or even the seven day, but just doing something as simple as like, God, I'm going to give up my Coke or I'm going to give this up to you because this is this is a sacrifice. Amen. That's exactly right, Lorraine. Yeah. So I appreciate you yeah, mentioning that because I want people, our listeners to hear like, okay, they're thinking I can't do this food or drink. Well, yes. You can because it's a it's a it's you know taking something out or moving something around and that's still very much considered biblical fast. Right, and we know the example of the Daniel fast, where essentially it's like a really strict diet for twenty one days. Mm-hmm. It's all that's a biblical fast, right? Where I'm not eating the junk and I'm eating something more healthy, not because I need to lose weight, but because I need to be more aligned with you. If we did that once a week and said, instead of just trying to do it for 21 days and set ourselves up for failure after nine days <laughs> and then heap <laughs> shame upon ourselves because we didn't do it for the full 21. But what if we just tried it for one meal on Mondays? Right. One meal on Mondays. Hey, I'm going to have a healthy meal today. Not because I'm trying to get healthy, but, you know, if the Lord's not going to heal me of my back pain, maybe my he can help me to eat better where I have less back pain. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> right. <laughs> but we're going to, if if not that, we're going to you know get spiritually healthy. And so Amen. draw closer to the Lord. And I just have to throw this out because I was waiting to ask about the Daniel fast. I was hoping that that would come out. But I just remembering the first time I did the Daniel fast. I think I was going into ladies conference, just really wanting to hear something from the Lord. But I'm telling you, I felt like, I think this is where my thing about, I feel pain <laughs> that came from the Daniel fast, having never done that before. And uh, going into that whole detoxing of sugar. And of course that is another, that's another podcast, like you mentioned, but oh man, my brother, yeah, for sure. My brother who worked at the jail said, you're having symptoms like a withdrawal person from like drug addiction because, you know, and that was, that that was the sacrifice. It was definitely was the sacrifice, but it was needed. Um, But I, yeah. And I want to, and I want to give you that example too, or give you kind of to add to that. Every person that has ever gone on any extended fast does detox. Right. That's that is not a biblical fact. That is a scientific fact. <laughs> Your body will detox. Uh, I have participated in the last three years, at least one 21 day fast a year. Mm-hmm. And then I try to do several seven day water only fast. Now, did I get there uh, overnight? No. Did I fail multiple times? Absolutely. Uh, or or did I get three or four days into it and realized I bit off more than I could chew? I wasn't prepared mm-hmm. for it. For sure, we do that all the time in life. That's just a that's just our humanity. It's not like we failed God. Right. Uh, 
but yeah, detoxing is definitely a thing. Uh, your body will detox. It's going to detox the the sugar and the food and the mm -hmm. grease and the meat and and everything out of your system. Uh, hey, but my body for His service, right? You know, not my will, but Your will be done. And I'm truly I'm passionate about that. I, I really, I really do believe that. Really and that's agree. and that's definitely something that I want you to come back and talk about because I know that you have some insights into that as well, um, into what things we do put in the in the body. And so want to talk about that as well. Um, but I, when I'm thinking about all of this, you know, detoxing and stuff, and I'm thinking about, you know, it is going to cost you some pain. There is going to be some uncomfortableness with yeah. all of this stuff, but um, I think, okay, it, it's working. <laughs> it's working because it's literally killing the flesh. I mean, not literally, but you know, it is feeling like it's killing the flesh. Anyways, you feel like you're dying. If you're supposed to be dying to your flesh, well then, you know, there's the dying part, at least the feeling of dying. So um, yeah. And I, and I guess death is a negative approach to fasting, but I guess, and also it's a positive approach. So. Right. <laughs> How about that? Die to the flesh, live to the spirit. So there yes, you go. <laughs> for sure. So I wanted to know, and this kind of goes into how do you know your fasting worked or has accomplished what it needed to accomplish? And and so I'm thinking to myself, you know, my kind of thing is, is that sometimes as Christians, you know, we don't do what we just mentioned. We don't do this ritual you know, fasting. We kind of just fast whenever we kind of like, oh, there's a huge need in my life. And so I'm, I'm going to do my go-to fast, but it's not like, you know, the ritual, but so, uh, well, I guess those are kind of a two-part thing. That's my, kind of my own observation, but how do you know that your, your fast is accomplishing what it needs to accomplish? Is there a way to gauge that? Yeah, I think that's kind of a philosophical question. Right. Uh, <laughs> you are right about uh, fasting, especially in a good, a good Christian who tries to fast more. Uh, we treat it like that. We treat it like that fleece. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fast because I really need to get your attention. And God's like, okay, you know, good for you, bud. Good for you. Little, good for you, sis. Um, I, I definitely think he honors it. Don't get me wrong. He honors right. it. He, he understands our motives and our hearts and our intentions. And uh, I think that goes without saying, uh, but it, again, uh, how do we know that our fast is working? Uh, I, I would say, how do you know your prayer is working? Mm -hmm. Do you always know your prayer is working? Mm -hmm. uh, when you see answered prayer, then you mm -hmm. know your prayer is working. How do you know your fast is working? Well, do you see spiritual growth? Right. Do you see more uh, consistent spiritual authority? Uh, are, are you walking in a clearer mind with less distractions and less, less impure thoughts and, and less junk trying to fill your mind? And, and maybe even you're, you're more easily able to push, you know, fleshly desires away and carnal things out of your practice and out of your life because you have started this discipline of fasting. Again, this discipline of fasting is about pushing aside our basic fleshly desire, food and drink. And if we can do that, how many other fleshly 
impure or pure things that are that God doesn't want us in that God that God doesn't want us to to have hold over us are we able to push aside mm -hmm. so how do you know how do you know it's working well you should have fruit how do you know your prayer is working well you should have answered prayer how, how do you know your bible reading is working well you you know more about the bible you have more understanding you have more authority when it comes to the word of god and i think such is the same with fasting and i think to myself like if i'm doing this correctly my own answer would be i feel closer to god i just feel like this this connection and in the moment you know again this is lorraine going back to pain because i'm thinking all daniel fast and detox but in the moment <laughs> i'm not feeling so much like it but in the end you know, like I mentioned, especially the Daniel Fest for me, it was going into, you know, ladies conference or, or something, a meeting that I definitely wanted to hear from the Lord from. And right. did I hear from the Lord? Did I feel closer to God? Did I, it just make me better? Did my actions, and I like that you mentioned fruit. Can I see the fruit of the spirit appearing in my life? Am I more Amen. patient? Do Amen. I have better temperance? Am I meek? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Am I seeing that love? Do I love more people? You know, what, what yeah. is that manifesting in spiritual fruit in my life? Yeah, and I could even say that spiritual fruit is identified when somebody else sees it in you, you know? Mm -hmm. At Antioch, they were called Christians. They didn't call themselves Christians. They were called Christians. When somebody sees you, and let's say you've been fasting or you've been working on that discipline of fasting and and you've done it for several weeks, you've picked your one day, you've picked your one meal, you've picked your one thing, and several weeks later, and somebody's like, hey, you handled that really well. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, man, that was only the Lord that helped me, <laughs> because normally Matt does not handle that that way. Well, you shall know them by their fruit. Yeah. And fasting allows you to develop that fruit. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go into our closing remarks because this has been such sure. a great time and yeah, such a wonderful discussion. What do you want our listeners to know about fasting? What is the thing that you're just like, you know, this is, if it all comes down to this. If it all comes down to this, I want our listeners to know that you can fast in small amounts. Mm -hmm. You can fast small things just to kind of get started. But I, I want them to know that it is a ritual that God wants you to develop and practice. Jesus modeled it. The disciples in the first century modeled it. Paul, even when he was on a slave ship to Rome and he almost died, the Bible says that he knew that it was the day of atonement. Well, the day of atonement is the day of fast. He was even on a slave ship observing, hey, this is that fast day. So I want you to know that you can do it. I want you to know that you're supposed to be doing it. And then that you don't have to do it in big chunks. Will God call you one day to do it in a bigger chunk? Should you maybe even try just to say, I did it in a bigger chunk? Well, that would be like saying, uh, should you even try to pray for eight hours? Well, well, yeah, you know, lock yourself away and 
talk to God for eight hours. Like you're only going to, there's only going to be good benefits from it. As long as your motives are right. As long as you're not bragging and, and hanging out like the hypocrites do. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can do it and you can do it in small chunks. Uh, it's food, it's drink. And you could do one meal a day for 52, or one meal a day, once a week for 52 weeks. And man, you fasted 52 days in a year. And that right there, that's the sign of a, of a Christian mm -hmm. for sure. It can be done. It can be done. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. You can, you do, can it. do it. You can do it to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for being my guest today. And I know that everybody that is going to be listening to this podcast is going to be very encouraged and to know that in the end, you can do it. You can do it. And uh, all of the biblical insights and the things that you have shared with us, I do appreciate that. And I do appreciate you spending time with us today, taking time out of your busy schedule. So God bless you and bless, God bless all of our listeners on the exchange. This is Dr. Lorraine. We will see you next time. Thank you so much. See y'all.